Welcome to Joy Christian Center. We're so glad you joined us today. If you're ever in the St. Cloud area, please join us for one of our 9 or 1045 a.m. services. Our services last about an hour. We pray that today's message will inspire and challenge you. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Tommy. I'm one of the pastors here at Joy, and specifically, I get to oversee uh, the youth ministry here. I'd like to welcome those of you who are joining us online and also send out two big thank yous, one to Pastor Brian for giving me the opportunity to share with you today, and the other one for all of you who showed up. So how many of you remember Pastor Brian said I was speaking today? All right, let's clap for them because they still came today. All right. Well, uh, one of the things that I like to do when I'm given the opportunity to share on a Sunday morning is to give you some updates about what is happening within the student ministry. I feel like it's important as a church for us to know the different things that are taking place, and I know many of you don't find yourselves on the other side of our building, so it's pretty much impossible for you to know what's happening within student ministry, so I'd like to take a few moments today to uh, fill you in on some of that. If I were to be asked where the recent momentum within student ministry started, um, I would have to go back about a year ago when we were at a student ministry dream team retreat. Uh, Angela and I like to uh, every so often take different members of the student ministry on a weekend retreat where we get to relax and have fun, build connections with each other, build relationships with each other, but also celebrate the wins, celebrate what God is doing, and then also just pray and ask God. God for his will and just submit the student ministry before him and just say, God, what, what do you want us to do in this next season of ministry? And the first night 
of our retreat this last year, I directed our attention to the story of Zacchaeus. Some of you are probably familiar with that. And Zacchaeus wound up climbing a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus. And I told all of those that were gathered there that it's possible that none of us have ever climbed a sycamore tree before, but we have all benefited from someone who was like a sycamore tree for us that helped us to be able to see Jesus uh, when we you know, we're younger, and some of us maybe when we were older, but we've all benefited from a sycamore tree type person. And then we went around the room and talked about the different people that were that in our lives, and we also talked about the different characteristics and the different things about them that helped us to see Jesus. And then I encouraged everyone to really take those characteristics and really place it in their own hearts and in their own lives. And then the last night of the retreat, we talked about the story of Zacchaeus again and him climbing a sycamore tree. And I gave everyone a gift, and uh, the gifts were in this box. This is actually the box that I gave to my wife, Angela. And inside of this box was a piece of sycamore for each of them. And uh, this is a spalted piece of sycamore for those of you that are interested uh, in wood and different things of that nature. But I gave this to everyone that night and I told them that now it's our turn to be a sycamore tree for someone else. Now it's our turn to help someone else to be able to see Jesus, specifically to help young people and teenagers of central Minnesota to be able to see Jesus. And I have seen these displayed in their houses and offices and everything, and it's an incredible reminder of not only what God did for the life of Zacchaeus, but what he's done for each and every one of us. Two weeks later, I uh, presented this idea to the student ministry on a merge night. We themed the whole night Sycamore, and I presented this idea to them and told them that we all need to be a person that helps others to see Jesus. And we marched out of there that night, um, you know, all excited and ready to help teenagers and young people in this area experience God, but then see him through our own lives. And uh, our goal within student ministry is actually to help students take hold of the life that is truly life. We want them to have the life that God wants for them. And we believe that life is separated into four different things, and you are probably familiar with them. It's to know God, to find freedom, to discover what? Purpose, very good, and to make a... Now, we encourage students all the time to make a difference within their own lives, but I also think it's very important for us to make a difference corporately as one big group. So what we wound up creating is something called the Sycamore Fund. Now, you might not be aware of this, but uh, there are churches all across America and really all across the world that have youth ministries, have youth groups and student ministries. It's uh, pretty much a vital part of church life, but what winds up happening is oftentimes those youth ministries are very poorly funded. Um, they're not given uh, much money to do ministry with. How many of you know ministry costs something, right? And youth pastors struggle between, uh, do I get the new latest song from, uh, you know, this one artist or do I buy a pizza because I can only do one of these things and uh, it's very limited. Uh, one of the churches that Angela and I had the privilege of serving in student ministry at, um, the budget was the money that Angela and I gave, 
There was no budget for the youth ministry at all. It was just the money that Angela and I were able to personally give. Now, we loved that place. I want you to understand that. We loved those students and we did that willingly. But that's just the reality of many churches. Thankfully, that's not the way it is here. Here at Joy Christian Center, um, you guys, through your generosity, support us in so many ways. Uh, we're able to do things for young people and students that many youth pastors would only dream of be, being able to do. And it's an incredible place to serve, an incredible place to be at. But here's the thing. I feel that because of your generosity to this church, to the student ministry, we're now able to be generous to other places because we're not needing to be concerned about raising money uh, for our own place. So like I said, we created this thing called the Sycamore Fund where we raise money and every single time we raise $500, we select a local student ministry and we give them that money. We say, here's some money for you to buy some equipment that you haven't been able to get before or here's some money for some camp scholarships or here's some money to take your team on a retreat. $500 would have like knocked me over when we were just starting in ministry. I, would, I wouldn't have known what to do. It was like, oh, you know, that type of thing. So uh, we want to bless these places. Now, we know that not every student in central Minnesota is going to be able to enjoy what we do here uh, on a regular basis with our student ministry. But we do know that those students could wind up going to some church. They could wind up going to the church maybe their parents go to or maybe they go to the church that's just, just down the street from their house. And we believe if we can help that youth ministry get better, we can help them reach more students and ultimately then we see more people have an encounter with God and they can see Jesus for who he is. Amen? So uh, yeah, that's worth a hand clap. So we are um, knocking on the door of being able to sponsor our third student ministry, and I feel in a couple weeks we'll be able to sponsor our fourth student ministry, and it's just awesome to see what the students uh, and the Dream Team members have been able to do. It's, it's an incredible thing to be a part of. Now, it's very important to us to keep this whole idea of sycamore and being a person that helps others see Jesus on the forefront of young people's minds. Parents, you probably are aware that they, students can be very forgetful at times. And you say, hey, uh, take out the trash or pick up your room. And then you come back and it's not done, right? How many of you have been there? And it's like, and what do they say? I forgot. You know, it wasn't intentional. I just forgot. So what we have done is we actually gave everyone a sycamore more necklace uh, similar to this. Um, it's a military grade uh, piece of, of chain. It's the same chain that our soldiers wear. And then there's a one-of-a-kind unique piece of sycamore on there. Now, I am not able to create this myself, so good friends of mine, uh, Paul Jansen and Kurt Kammermeyer, have helped us uh, distribute a lot of these pieces of sycamore. And we gave each student and each adult Dream Team member one of these necklaces so that they can be reminded to help others be able to see Jesus. And it actually winds up uh, bringing about certain spiritual encounters, which is actually really cool. This last Sunday, I was serving in the tech booth, and one of our uh, Joy Dream Team members saw a student that was wearing a necklace just like this. They said, hey, what, what's that necklace? What, you know, where did you get that? He's like, oh, well, I got it from, um, from youth group. And, you know, it's a piece of sycamore, and it's to remind us to help others see Jesus. 
And I'm standing there in the tech booth, and, and do you know I wasn't like, oh, well, yeah, that, that was good. I was so excited. Like, I was like, yes, this, this is what we're looking for. This is what we want. We want to see students embrace this idea, but not only embrace it, but begin to live it out and then have the confidence to tell someone where they're like, what's that piece of wood around your neck? Oh, it's a piece of sycamore. And can I tell you, it's really special because there's not sycamore trees up here. You can't like go outside and see a sycamore tree. They all grow down south. So to have sycamore up here in the north woods is a very, very cool thing. And then a few days before that, actually three days before that, Angela and I had the privilege of going to our daughter's middle school parent-teacher conference. And for those of you that have either attended as a student or a parent at one of those, those can be a very stressful, concerning time, right? Uh, I was like, oh no, you know, we're going to hear everything about our child that we try to forget, you know, that type of thing. And um, so as Angela and I were heading to Jordan's parent-teacher conference, uh, we were very confident. We know she's a good student and uh, she will continue to be a good student. So we figured we're just going to hear a bunch of great things, good things, and then be on our way. And uh, we were the last appointment for the night, so we met with her teacher, and we heard all of the good things that we already know, and then at the end, the teacher spotted Jordan's necklace. She's like, what, what is that necklace you're wearing? And Jordan was like, oh, well, it's a piece of sycamore. We, we get it from our, our youth ministry, and it's to remind us to help others see Jesus. Then she told her teacher about the story of this wee little man who climbed a sycamore tree. Some of you know the song. And I'm sitting back, I'm, I'm holding both our, our, our boys, uh, Jordan was on this side, Angela was on this side. And I'll tell you, as a youth pastor, I was like, oh, this is great. But as a dad... There was a whole nother level of something going on. Watching my daughter tell her public school teacher at parent-teacher conference about a story of a man who climbed a sycamore tree to be able to see Jesus. Now, we've been praying for that teacher because she's been dealing with some different physical things and uh, her, um, her mom is also dealing with some stuff. So uh, all of a sudden, uh, Angela says, we just want to let you know we've been praying for you. And I thought to myself, well, this conversation is going to get a little intense at this moment in public school at parent-teacher conference. I'm like, this is exciting. This is awesome. So Angela's like, we've been praying for you. And she's like, thank you so much. And I asked her, I was like, is there anything different we can be praying about? Is there anything more specific we could be praying about? And she said, no, not really. And uh, we talked about more things about God, which is just incredible. And, And then we went on our way. The next day, uh, we were heading out um, of our house as a family. We're in the vehicle. I'm pulling out of the driveway, and I got an email. And I handed the phone to Angela. I was like, can you read this? And uh, Angela goes to start reading it, and all of a sudden, there were no more words coming. And I was like, what is going on? And I could see, like, the emotion welling up with inside of her. Like, she was about to lose it and start crying. I'm like, it's an email. What's... What? What's going on in an email, you know? So I pull over and put the flashers on. We barely left our driveway. It was like, let me have it. Let me read it. And this is what the email uh, was. It was from uh, one of Jordan's teacher, the teacher that we were talking to the night before. And it says this, I went home last night and I thought, what an amazing blessing. And she says, I'm not really good with words. And I thought, well, why are you a teacher? <laughs> um, <laughs> 
<laughs> so she goes, she's like, so here goes. It's like, okay, what, what is going to happen in this moment? She says, when you stated that you have been praying for me, I was taken back. That is such an amazing gift your family has provided, provided me. I appreciate it from the very bottom of my heart. I'm sorry I was not able to convey this last night. You asked how we can pray differently. You cannot. I feel blessed and honored that you would consider doing this for me. Thank you. I appreciate it so very much. You have no idea. And I read this email even in this moment, and I feel like God is reminding me how special this really is. And how incredible this really is. With a public school, the public school teacher, parent-teacher conference. With a student simply wearing a necklace. And all of a sudden, our conversation changes to things of God. Isn't that incredible? It's just amazing. And, um, you know, I'm privileged to be able to know a lot more what's going on in my daughter's life than than other students. But I, I can guarantee you that other students are having similar experiences by their friends and people saying, what is that necklace you are wearing? And the cool thing is, it isn't just a necklace. It's a conversation piece. And it's something to be used to hopefully inspire other people to be a person that helps others see Jesus. So why don't we just give God a hand for things that he's doing. Now, I have talked about Zacchaeus and the sycamore tree quite a bit already today. And I felt like it would be important to actually read the story to you because I'm Quite confident that some of you are like, Zacca who? Who is this Zacca person? And why did they climb a tree? Uh, I haven't climbed a tree in my whole life. You know, that type of thing. So uh, I'm going to read this story. Uh, it's found in Luke. And then we're going to kind of dissect it a little bit and get some deeper, uh, uh, more enhanced meaning from the story. So it's found in Luke chapter 19. The words will be on the screen. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now this is a very incredible story and we could leave it just at that. But I feel given this certain story and the things that were happening around it, I think it's important for us to dig into it a little deeper. What we find out from Bible scholars and people that know way more about the Bible than I do, which is quite a lot of people, just to let you know, we we know that Jesus' earthly ministry lasted about three and a half years. So there was three and a half years from the time that Jesus was water baptized by John the Baptist to the time that he was arrested and then crucified and buried and then rose again um, around Jerusalem. So three and a half years. And over that three and a half years, Jesus did some amazing things. 
He turned the water into wine. He helped people, healed people, and wasn't even by them. He spit in people's faces, and they could see. He drew pictures on the ground. He walked on the water. Uh, he healed people's shriveled up hands, uh, healed them from leprosy. Uh, he made the paralyzed walk. He raised people from the dead. Jesus did some pretty amazing things over the course of that three and a half years. And I like to tell people that Jesus was kind of like President Trump. Now, stay with me here a little bit. Um, some of you are getting ready to leave, I know. Um, he was a lot like President Trump in my mind, meaning there was a lot of people that loved him, and there was a lot of people that hated him, but every single person wanted to see what Jesus was going to do. So, you know, you were in one of those two camps, but you had some common interest because whether you loved him or you hated him, you wanted to see just what this guy is going to pull off next. So Jesus is very, very popular. And this story of Zacchaeus actually happened towards the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry here. In fact, the, uh, Luke actually writes the account of Jesus having the triumphal entry into Jerusalem when everyone's waving palm branches and saying, yeah, hallelujah. That's the same chapter that the story of Zacchaeus is written in. So Jesus is winding up his, his earthly ministry. He's, he's getting things done. And, and Luke actually says Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through. Now Jesus was never in Jericho before. Uh, if you read through the Gospels, there is several times where Jesus will come back to a similar place and minister to people again. But in Jericho, he, he has never been there before. And it says he was just passing through. So what I get from that is he wasn't planning on blowing up some balloons, doing some puppets, and then inviting everyone later to, to a night crusade. He was on mission. He was ready to go through Jericho, on his way to Jerusalem, do the whole ha ah, ride a donkey thing, and then get arrested and die and raised from the dead. And, you know, life was going to be incredible and awesome. But as Jesus enters Jericho, there's a crowd of people there. And I find this so interesting because he had never been there before. So this crowd of people would have heard of what Jesus had done in other places and in other regions. And all of a sudden he's there. It's like, oh! So this crowd of people is here. And yet there's one person in this crowd that stands out. And it's not because of what they wear. It's not because of how tall he is. In fact, the only reason he really stands out is because no one else wanted him to be there. No one else wanted him to be there. And that person's name is Zacchaeus. Now, the question we can wind up you know, having is, why would no one want Zacchaeus there? There's a crowd of people. Why would no one want him there? And it's because he's a tax collector. Now, around this time, especially April 15th, we don't maybe appreciate a lot of tax-type type things going on. But in this day and age, a tax collector, they were hated. Absolutely hated. And I will tell you why. Uh, the land of Israel, what we know as Israel today, uh, had an occupying force at that time, and that was the Romans. The Romans had a, a vast empire, and it was very, very huge, and they conquered all kinds of people. And the way that they were able to finance their empire, the way they were able to keep it growing, is because they charged taxes from the people that they conquered. And they didn't themselves do it. They actually sent people from their own people group to then get the taxes 
from, from others. So they would send a Jew to Jewish people to collect taxes from them, and Zacchaeus was that person. So Zacchaeus would walk up to a family, he'd say, you owe $700 in taxes. They'd be like, no, no, I don't want to do that. It's like, well, you either do it or you get yourself in trouble. It's like, Zacchaeus, I hate you. It's like, yeah, I know, fork over the money. So they'd give Zacchaeus the money. Zacchaeus would then go to the next house and do the same exact thing. Now the thing that maybe we don't know, but everyone else knew at that time, is that Zacchaeus was scamming them. Because the Roman government didn't want all of that money from them. They just wanted a portion of it, like $400 of it. But Zacchaeus would then be given the opportunity to keep the extra money just for himself. That's how Zacchaeus supported himself. So he supported himself by scamming all the people that he grew up with. He, he supported himself by basically being a traitor. Jewish people saw tax collectors as being a traitor. Luke says Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he was wealthy. What does that mean? He is very good at scamming people. Very good at scamming people. So Zacchaeus is in this crowd. No one wants him to be there. He's short. He can't see Jesus. And at that time, there was no Polaroid. There was no video cameras, no Snapchat, no Instagram, no social media, no news networks. So if you didn't see with your own eyes what Jesus did, you weren't going to see it. You were just going to hear the stories. So having a front row seat to this thing is really important. So if Zacchaeus, being a short guy, even wanted to get into the crowd to see no one would let him because no one wanted him to be around in the first place. So Zacchaeus goes on ahead, finds a tree. It happens to be a sycamore tree, and he climbs it to get a perspective of, of Jesus and his ministry. So Jesus comes down the road, sees Zacchaeus in the tree. is like, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to be at your house today. And if I was Zacchaeus, I'd be like, how do you know who I am? Like, how do you know this? And, and why me? Why are you picking me? And everyone else in the city of Jericho wondered the same thing. This Jesus is supposed to be this special person. Maybe he's even this son of God. Maybe he's the Messiah. And yet of all the people he could choose, he chooses the one guy who's the traitor. He chooses the one guy who everyone hates to go be at his house. Why? And then Zacchaeus stands up and he says, Lord, right here and now, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. Do you know how much half of your possessions to the poor means? Half. That's a lot. Half. And then he goes on. It's like, okay, that's enough, right? That's enough. Then he says, if I've cheated anyone, I will pay them back four times the amount. Do you, do you know how many people Zacchaeus cheated? Everyone. He cheated everyone. And now Zacchaeus goes from being the most hated person in town to like the most celebrated person in town. Can you, can you imagine if Zacchaeus knocks on your door? You're like, oh great, it's him again. And he says, hey, so uh, last year, um, you know, I told you you needed to, you owe this much in taxes and I kind of cheated you and scammed you, and I charged you way more. So um, here's that money back. Oh, and by the way, I did that to you for the last 20 years. So here's all that money back to times four. Honey, we're going on vacation, right? 
That would be such an amazing thing. And it shows this amazing transformation of a guy who, you know, who just had this amazing experience and his life was forever changed and the lives of the people in Jericho were forever changed. So I know what you're wondering today. What does this story have to do with me? I can't hardly even pronounce the guy's name, let alone spell it. Why is it important that I know this story? It's important because I think we have more in common with this guy by the name of Zacchaeus than, than we'd like to admit. You see, I don't think Zacchaeus planned on being a tax collector. I don't think he went to his parents and went to his rabbi as he was growing up and said, hey, guess what? I want to be a trader when I grow up. And the stock market wasn't there yet, okay? I want to be a trader when I grow up. Oh, really? I don't think he said, I want to be the most hated man in town. All the friends that I had growing up, I want to make them not my friends when I get older. I don't think that was Zacchaeus' plan. I think Zacchaeus had hopes and dreams and goals, but whatever, life happened and he wound up being in this situation. Now he has all the money you could ever want and yet he has no friends to celebrate it with. He could go to the market and buy all of the food. He could buy any clothing, anything that was available there. Yet the whole time he's there, he's seeing mothers take their children and say, stay away from that guy. He's a bad guy. He's evil. Zacchaeus' life looked great on paper, but not so good in life. His life lived hard, you could say. And so I wonder if any of us could relate to that. You have dreams, you had goals, uh, you had ideas of what you wanted to be at this stage in life, and for whatever reason, those things aren't happening. You never planned on flunking chemistry, but here you are. You never planned on dropping out of school, but here you are. You never planned on not being accepted to the school that you wanted to go to, but here you are. You never planned on being kicked onto, onto the couch. You never planned on being divorced. You never planned on being fired. You never planned on having to move back in with your parents. You never planned on struggling with the stress. You never planned on being filled with addiction. You never planned on being suicidal. But here you are, here you are, and just like Zacchaeus, you're struggling, and life is hard. Maybe on paper things look great, but you know, you know But what maybe no one else knows. The good news for us today is that, is that Zacchaeus' life was completely transformed with one decision, just one simple decision, and that was to climb a tree. Just climb a tree. It was simple, not easy. I think to myself, I'm 35, almost 36. If I needed to climb a tree right now, the tree wouldn't be there, all right? So, um, meaning it would fall over or if, if you didn't get that. So it was simple, but it wasn't easy. But Zacchaeus did one thing. One thing in his whole life was transformed. So one of the things we have to wrestle with in this moment is is it possible that for you in your circumstance that you could do one thing and see God transform your life? Is it possible? I think it is. I think it is. So what do those one things look like? Maybe picking up the phone, buying the flowers, maybe saying, I'm sorry. 
Maybe you'll see transformation in your life if you let your spouse back into the bed. You'll see transformation in your life if you take the meeting or if you tear up the papers. You'll see transformation in your life if... Um, If you say, I forgive you. You know, it's humbling to say, I'm sorry. It's humbling to say, I forgive you, too. Think about the transformation you could have with your family members with just a simple, I forgive you. Or the transformation you could have if you call on the birthday or you send a card or if you ask for help or you attend Celebrate Recovery or you join a small group. Imagine the transformation you could have if you got down on your knees and said, Jesus, Jesus, one simple thing, the one thing, and our lives could be changed forever. Oh, Tommy, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. You don't know how messed up my life is. You can't just do one thing and then see God do all of these amazing things. And I would tend to agree with you. But as I looked through scripture and I looked through the heroes that we celebrate, I realized that many of them did one thing and it set their life in motion. Adam named Noah built, Abraham moved, Isaac blessed, Jacob wrestled, Joseph forgave, Moses removed his sandals. As great as, as, as Moses is, think about this. If he never removed his sandals, oh, there's a fiery bush. And oh, I think that might be God talking to me. And he's told me to take off my shoes. Uh-uh. When's the last time a bush asked you to take off your shoes? We just think this is normal, common thing. Yep, take off your shoes. The bush is talking to you. If Moses never did that, Joshua walked around the city of Jericho. Ruth picked the field. Samuel said, here I am. David picked up a stone. Solomon asked for wisdom. Nehemiah went back home. Esther interceded. Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Mary simply said, yes. John the Baptist prepared. Peter left the fish. Paul went to Damascus. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. And you. What are you going to do? What is the one thing you could do to see transformation happen in your life? What is the one thing? You know, Pastor Brian said something recently that has really resonated with me, and it's possible that some of you too. He said, God will do what he can do, but he will very rarely do what you can do. God will do what only he can do, but he'll very rarely do what you can do. You know, Jesus had the power to transform Zacchaeus' life. But you know what? Jesus didn't make Zacchaeus climb the sycamore tree. Didn't make him climb the sycamore tree. There is a responsibility on our part to see our life play out how God intends for it to play out. We can't just sit back and let God just lead us and direct us as if we're some robot. Just tell me what to do. You have a part to play in this. You have a part to play. David picked up the stone. Nehemiah asked to go back home to rebuild the walls. 
We need to understand we play a part. And sometimes that part is just one simple decision. One simple decision. I have a final story I'd like to share with you and then we'll wrap this up. A few weeks ago, I was given the task from my wife to uh, get some locks for our lockers at the gym. So combination locks. And when you're here at Joy, you're about the furthest from a Walmart as you can possibly be when, you know, you're here in town. So I thought to myself, even though I know Walmart way better than, than most stores, um, I will choose to go to a store that's right here and I'll get the locks and it, it won't be a problem. So I get into the store and I walk to where I just kind of feel the locks would naturally be. And I go there and I can't find what I'm looking for. Any of you been there before? All right. So I can't find what I'm looking for. It's like, well, okay, well, it's not in the first place. It'll be in the second place. So I, I look in the second place and it's not there. Then I think to myself, okay, well, where's hardware? Where's hardware? And I look and I see the big hardware sign. I don't even know if locks are really hardware. I just know they're hard. So I was like, okay, so, so, so I walk to hardware and I can't find them. And then I think, well, maybe it's in women's clothing. I have no idea. Maybe it's in the toys. I still like going to the toy section personally. I will go to the toy section even if our kids aren't with us. Um, so, um, so, I, so I do this and I'm walking around the store and I can't find anything. And then finally I humbled myself to the point where I asked for help. And I found the person who was like, can you help me please? They said, yeah, it's by the light bulbs. I'm like, okay. So I, so I go to the light bulbs, and I'm looking, light bulbs, light bulbs, light bulbs, and light bulbs, and light bulbs. There's no lock by the light bulbs. I'm like, where are the locks? So I'm looking all over the place, and I can't find it. I go to another person, and I have to leave where I'm at by the light bulbs to go find a person. You know, the help is always there when you don't want it, and when you want it, the help isn't there. So I, I leave the light bulbs and I go find a person. Like, can you help me find the locks? It's by the light bulbs. <laughs> At this time, like, Angela is calling me. She's like, where are you? And I started wrestling with this thought. I could leave this store, drive to Walmart, find the locks, and get home before I ever find the locks in this store. But out of stubbornness and slight stupidity, I said, no, I will not do this. I am going to find these locks. So I look right exactly where I just was. And I could, I could take you to where the shovels are, where the trash cans are. I can take you to where the vacuums are. I could take you, I could show you around ladies' clothing. I could, I could take you anywhere in the store, but I can't find the locks. And then all of a sudden, I see this thing on a wall. It's this phone. And this phone basically says, uh, if you need help, pick up this phone and dial for help. I am not going to do that. I am not the person. People would go home. Honey, you wouldn't believe what I saw today. A guy was on the red phone. <gasps> You know you're never supposed to pick up the red phone. 
So why would I pick up the red phone? I was in need, but I wasn't going to do it. So I searched around some more and some more and some more to try to figure it out. Going around the same sections, Angela's calling again. I was not in the mood to answer the phone. Like, what's it going to be? Hi, honey. It was, I've been, what do you need? I'm trying to find the locks. You know better than to tell me to do these things. And, and so... I go back to the phone, and I'm standing here. I'm like looking over the directions, like, is this really as simple as it says it's going to be? So I pick up the phone. They're like, hi, hello, how can I help you? I said, yes, I'm looking for some locks. I can't seem to find them. Okay, we'll send someone your way. So I hang up the phone, and you know it's going to be like 10 minutes, right, before, before someone comes all of a sudden, I see this worker walking down the hall, and it was a person I talked to 15 minutes ago to help me find the locks. I kid you not. And I think to myself, I certainly remember you, but I'm really praying you don't remember me. <laughs> so he comes, I'm like, hi, I'm looking for some locks. And... Uh, so he takes me right by the lights, and I'm like, this is not, this, they're not here. Trust me, they're not here. And he says, here are the locks. And I look, and here, here's what I see, and it's coming on the screen. I go, oh, they're right there. I showed this picture to Angela, and she goes, that's the biggest display of locks I've ever seen in my life. I said, I know. So I picked out the locks and, and went home, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes later than what I was supposed to. And so, so here before you today, it was that simple. Pick up the stupid phone. <laughs> and my whole day would have changed. One simple thing in my whole day would have changed. One simple thing in your life could change. What is the simple thing? I think you know it already. I think you know the one thing you could do. The one thing you could do. Now it's just up to you to do it. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads with me for a moment. For some of you, the one thing to do is to get your life right with God. Is to get your life right with God. You want to really experience life transformation? That is where it starts. Get your life right with God. Some of you, maybe you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior before. Maybe you've, you've said what we call the sinner's prayer and you asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life when you were 14, 15, 28, 36, 54. Maybe, maybe you've done that before, but you know you're not where you need to be. You know you're not where you need to be with God. If you're here today, I'm not gonna embarrass you. If you're here and you say, Tommy, for me, it's getting my life right with God. If you just want to simply slip up your hand, I, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'd just like to know. Thank you, sir. You can put your hand down. Is there anyone else? Thank you, ma'am. You can put your hand down. Thank you, sir. You can put your hand down. 
Anyone else that would say, Tommy, it starts with me with getting my life right with God. Thank you, ma'am. You can put, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And what I'd like to ask us to do is I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer. I'd like you to re- repeat the prayer with me. And if you've prayed this prayer before and maybe you're in a good place with God, I'm going to ask you to say the prayer too just as a way of encouraging those that are maybe praying this prayer for the first time or maybe the seventh time. But we're going to believe in faith that today is the day that it sticks. Amen. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that life can be changed with just a simple decision. And today, I choose to ask for your forgiveness. I ask you, Lord, to wipe my slate clean. And Lord, I pray that with this simple decision of asking you to be the Lord of my life, that I would begin to see the transformation take place in my personal life, in the relationships I have with others. But most importantly, the relationship I have with you. In your glorious and holy name, amen. Now I know there's probably many of you gathered here today that are thinking, I know the one thing. I know the one thing I need to do. And I will tell you, it starts right now. Some of you need to make a phone call. You don't need to wait till after the NASCAR race to make the phone call. You can do it before you even leave the building. Some of you, you need to buy flowers. You get the flowers before you get home. Some of you need to say, I'm sorry. Some of you need to say, I forgive you. Some of you need to schedule a meeting or tear up some papers. Whatever it is. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Just respond to the leading of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I'm going to pray a prayer over you, and then Pastor Tim will come and lead us in some announcements and receive the offering. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the example that Zacchaeus is to us even today. Lord, his life was transformed by a simple decision. And it's possible that if he never climbed that tree, we wouldn't be speaking about him today. But he did climb that tree. And he became a forever living example of what it means to surrender your life to God. Lord, I pray that we would be people just like that. Living examples of people that have seen Jesus for ourselves but people that also desperately want to help others to see Jesus as well. Lord, I pray that you would bless this group of people. Lord, I thank you that you have given us the charge of transforming central Minnesota for you. And God, it starts right here. It starts right in our hearts and right in our minds. I thank you for the victory we'll experience in our life. In your glorious and holy name, amen. If you made a decision today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we would love to hear about it. Please email us or contact us through our website, greatjoy.org.